It's that awkward pastor with no answers. want to say hi to all of our listeners. Looking forward to this show. I'm going to tell you about it here in a second. But before we do that, we've got three people that went to Pastor With No Answers and clicked on Support the Podcast. That's right. We have a Pastor With No Answers Patreon, and there ain't nobody does Patreon like Pastor With No Answers. We, we're building up a, a pretty cool community. People are getting to know one another and having some discussions here and there. I give you access to the episodes before they go out if you care for that sort of thing. And oh yeah, you know, just group me and some chats and those sorts of things. You can look into it a little bit more if you want to go to pastorwithnoanswers.com, but that's besides the point. I want to send some shout outs to Jonathan Cornwell, Nathan Bowman, and Ashton Ruby. Thank you three for being our most recent converts. It's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. Second to, I can't, I can't think of anything else that would be this important. <laughs> so seriously, go to pastorwithnoanswers.com. It, uh, it does feel good to support a podcast that you listen to, especially if it's regular. But hey, I'm happy to have you as a listener, irregardless. I listen to some podcasts and I don't support but I also am not a complete hypocrite. I support one podcast right now, but that's because I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. I do support one, though. Anyway, so I want to tell you about this episode coming up. As I told you beforehand, we are going to be giving you some extra content on the reg and Today represents one of those movements in that direction in which we are introducing a new segment of this podcast called Ask Jack. Some of you know the two Jack Hoys that are on this podcast periodically. Well, the lesser, the son, and he gave himself that nickname, not me, but the lesser is going to do a Q&A. So, you need to know a little bit of information about this Q&A. You have access to it. You can actually email right now, jackthelesser at gmail.com, send them questions, and get them answered on this podcast. I can't make any promises because I know right now he's receiving thousands of questions in his inbox. So that is a segment that we're going to be doing regularly, and today, however... I get to ask all the questions on Bad Christian Podcast, another podcast that I am a part of that almost all of you know about, obviously. We had two guests recently. One of them, gosh, must have been our most popular episode with uh, Paul Young, the author of The Shack. We also had a guy named Pastor Queen. Now, many of traditional Christians, especially in the South, would consider these two guys heretics. And uh, actually, they do have some very non-traditional approaches to faith. Maybe they're coming, becoming a little more traditional, uh, but not so much one of them. <laughs> You'll kind of catch on to that pretty soon into the conversation. But I brought Jack on to talk about these conversations, to get his take on it, because I actually do value his opinion, and I enjoy talking to him. So you got a good show with a lot of deep stuff. Depends on how smart you are, though. It may not be that deep. Pastor with no answers, folks.
Hey guys, this is Beef from the band Doubting Benefit. We're excited to announce that we just released our first single in nine years. The song you're listening to right now is called Circles. This song and all of our past music can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and anywhere else you get your music. So stream it, buy it, play it. We're just glad you're listening again. Follow us on Instagram at Doubting Benefit. So, Jack, do you like answering people's questions? Do you get a kick out of it? Is it fun? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I like, uh, well, especially the questions that people bring to me, because the questions that people ask me uh, tend to be ones that um, they've been thinking about for a long time, and I really enjoy uh, uh, discussing those with people. Gotcha. How it, so, given that you are going to have a segment on this podcast of answering people's questions, how do you... How would you prefer people to see you? Like just some random dude that's shotgunning answers and spitballing all the time. Do they? Do you want them to see you as like a wise wizard or like a studied thinker or like you know why? Why are we asking you questions, man? I mean, we could be so, asking anybody questions. Why you? Yeah. Well, listen. Look, <laughs> that's not a I'm hard concerned. question to answer. <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm concerned, my entire career has been built on the premise that people think I'm smarter than I actually am. Um, so I think I think what I would say is um, is that I like uh, I-, I like people to to see me because it's true. Uh, when they ask questions, I like people to see me as someone who um, enjoys thinking about their questions as much as they do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what are some values that you hold dearly when it comes to your approach and pondering mysteries of theology? Like when you're approaching the deeper things in the Bible or even philosophy for that matter, but what are some, some values and convictions that you hold when it comes to these sorts of discussions? Um, I think, you know, for me, it's that, um, the, the biggest one is that I can trust God. Um, and, that, and that's something that comes up a lot, right? People say, oh, I, I can't imagine a God who would, um, you know, uh, order the genocide in Canaan in the Old Testament, right, in Joshua. Or, oh, I can't imagine a God who would send people to hell. Or I can't imagine a God who would allow tsunamis to happen. Or, like, questions like that. And to me, that come that, that is uh, about trust. Right. And trust for me, when I, when I answer questions, when I study, is about... Um, in the in the moments when I don't know the answer, when and and, and, I, and it's like to me, this is not about answering people's questions. This is about you know um, discussing people's questions, right? Like my goal for this is not to to have answers by the end, right? Um, but for me, when I when I don't know the answer and when I don't know what to think and when I don't understand something, um, I start from a place of well, I trust God. Right. I trust that He's good. Right. And and because I have that trust, I don't need to be afraid. 
Because a lot of times what happens is, is you can tell when people get afraid. You can tell when you ask a question that scares them and scares them in the sense of, I've never thought of that. And if the thing that I've always thought isn't true, my whole system comes tumbling down. Right. And that's when people get angry and defensive. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And, and, and so I don't have to, because I trust God and trusting God means that it's okay for me to be wrong because he's still right. I like that. I, I definitely need to work on that personally. How good are you, how good are you at mean spirited criticism that you uh, certainly delivering get? or receiving? Uh, receiving. <laughs> um, I like to think I'm. I like to think I'm pretty good. I, it depends, right? Like, um, I, I really hate uh, mean spirited criticism from anonymous people that I don't know online, right? Like, no one likes that. You know, just like the, the trolls that come out of nowhere and say, I don't even know why you're talking to me, but suddenly you're wishing that I kill myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate that. But it's like, I, I don't, I, tr- I certainly try never to be bothered um, by stuff from people who take the time to read or listen to, to what I say. It's, it's tough though, right? Like it's always tough not to personalize that stuff, but I try not to. Yeah. And why, why are the deeper mysterious hard to understand sorts of discussions important to have? Well, because it's important that, um, people have a space to wrestle with things like, like, you know, one thing that I think you guys probably hear a lot on the bad Christian podcast, and I'm sure that you do too, not just, you know, know, uh, podcast related, but as, as a pastor, Joey is, I'm sure that you meet people all the time who one of the chief ways they've been burned by the church is that they never felt like they could ask questions. Right. They never felt like they could wrestle with these things. And they felt like having questions was bad and it was a lack of faith. Um, and and I don't. And I think it's really important to have a space to to answer questions. I, I, I you know, there, there was one speaker I heard years ago who said, um, who said, uh, um, doubt I think it was doubt dies when it is unspoken. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, doubt festers when exactly. it is unspoken, right? Questions don't die when they're unspoken. They fester. Um, and they, and they, and they sit there and, um, they, you know, when, when you don't deal with them, uh, they, they just become this, like this wound that rots inside of you until eventually it just, it just kills you. And so you, you have to give people a space to wrestle with their questions or else it's just, it's going to slowly eat away at them. All right. Well, welcome to the pastor with no answers. Hope everybody's doing all right. I I feel like maybe we need to take a step back and make sure everybody knows who who this guy is on the call because I am assuming we've got some new listeners, but Jack and I, we actually work at the same church. Jack's kind of the, he's the guy that makes Seacoast look smart. Uh, I don't know if that, that make Seacoast look bad, but you be the judge because after this after this episode you'll you'll get to determine whether or not Seacoast is a smart church because you know great. Jack is <laughs> that's great. No, all joking aside, I do think it I I think it's safe to say that Jack is kind of a go to for theological questions. I mean you and your dad. Um I I get in touch with you a lot with, with questions and stuff. But did you tell me recently that some 
sometimes you'll have people on Seco staff ask questions, and you didn't mention any names. But is that <laughs> is that true that some people come up to you about bad Christian episodes and say, "Hey, what'd you think about that?" And you'll listen to it, listen to it for them. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That that happens. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. It, it depends, right? It's it's not necessarily regular, right? But um, depending on the episode, I might have like a bunch of people ask me if I listen to a particular episode. <laughs> Which here's, here's what's crazy is I am totally in the dark with, with who's listening to this podcast. Like there'll, the, uh, you know, this one or bad Christian, like there'll be times when someone mentions an episode to me and I'm thinking, Oh, you, you listened to that dude. We were in a, we were in a campus pastor meeting and someone gave an assignment to listen to a bad Christian episode on the Enneagram. And I was like, I don't want you guys listening. To- wow. Were they being punished? I'm trying to, <laughs> this is going to suck. I can't laugh any cause I'll cough every single time, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Give me, give me one example of a question that you've gotten before. About bad Christian. Yeah. Our bad Christian episode. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll just I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll just give one Yeah. Um, in terms of one that, that I thought was uh, both funny and also uh, deeply hurtful. Oh, shoot. Um, was, <laughs> was when I did the live show with you guys years ago, um, I had a couple of people text me about that episode. And, and then I think you guys mentioned something I had said on a podcast like the next week. Yeah. And so I had a couple of my friends, well, you know, quotation marks around friends, I think, and be like, hey, you were on last week, and then they mentioned you, like, are you, are you, do you matter? Like, do people listen to you? (laughs) Yeah, I don't, maybe, I thought so, but now maybe not, I don't know. That, was that, was that their choice of words? Um, it, it's, you know, my defense <laughs> mechanisms, I'm sure obscuring the original oh more hurtful version, but oh yeah, yeah, gosh. it was basically boiled down to, um, wow. I didn't realize that, uh, people cared what you thought. That's interesting, Jack. Wow. That's hilarious. Ah, gosh, that, that bugs me just because I think that is a perfect example of kind of where a lot of people's headspaces are at when it comes to like the church and who, who people listen to and stuff. Like, I mean, that's just, that question makes no sense. You are a person and you are a smart person. So we should all be listening to each other. That just doesn't, that is, that is crazy. But yeah, I was scared for a second. I thought you were going to say deeply hurtful because we talked about you afterwards and really cut you down. I was like, <laughs> I didn't remember that. No, man. <laughs> no. Well, or maybe you guys did. I don't know. Is there something you need to nope, tell me? Nope. Not that I can recall. Not all that right. I can recall at all. I do you think that you but before we jump into a lot of this stuff, do you think that you are overly careful? Because that was the only that was that if I could critique anything, because it, it's literally been maybe almost four years ago. That was a long time ago. Maybe yeah, three years. <clears throat> that would be my only critique, is it almost sounds like you're constantly thinking ahead of what you're saying, which is which is partly wisdom, but do you do you find yourself almost being too careful with, Ooh, I don't want certain things to sound a certain way, or I don't want people to think this or that, or is that just in my head? Because when I have conversations yeah. with you, when I call you up and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? It, it, it may come th- that conversation's probably going to look a little different. 
Um, yeah, they, it absolutely they don't does. Air. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I am probably too careful um, in the sense of. You know, it's it's sort of like so. I worked at Barnes Noble yeah. for like ten years, and one of the things that working at Barnes Noble does, is if if you're a reader and a writer, is it does two things. One, you start thinking to yourself, like I could totally write a book and get published. Right. Because look at look at how much just mediocre and not great stuff gets published. I could write a book, right? But then you're also surrounded by you know, Faulkner and, and Tolstoy and right. Austin and all, right. you know, and it's like, and, and, and so you also at the same time think I'm garbage and I don't deserve to ever have anything published. <laughs> and those are both. So, so for me, I'm, I'm careful because on the one hand, um, I, you know, I do think about, you know, whenever we talk about something, anything that I talk about on, on the podcast with, with you or, or the guys is going to be something that I've thought about a lot. Right. right. Um, right. like I don't think you guys have ever asked me to jump in on something that I've never thought about for a second. Yeah. Um, and so one, I've thought about it a lot, but that also means that I'm, I'm sort of conscious of how many other people have been thinking about this. Yeah. And so I, it's in a sense, I guess I'm, I'm hedging a little bit because I know that I could be totally wrong. Um, but I also sort of, I, I, I really don't, I think, you know, one thing that has been detrimental to our culture with social media and podcasts has been everyone talking as though they were an expert Yeah. when it's like, I don't, they could be anyone for all I know. And so I don't want to, you know, I, I really despise the sort of the, um, the arrogant, um, I have this figured out tone that right. is very easy to assume when it's just you and a couple of other people and a microphone. Right. Um, so I want to avoid that. And at the same time, you know, kind of be conscious of the fact that I could be completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Well, we're going to do something. I, I'm not sure if I've done this. I, we've definitely assessed episodes, but I think maybe it's been in-house, so to speak, like with yeah, assessing right. pastor with no answer episodes. But what I want to do today, and it really is one of those things to where this could take 20 minutes or it can take an hour, but there's two particular podcast episodes that were released in the last couple months on Bad Christian. One is with Pastor Queen. Uh, for those of you that may want to uh, take a listen, that's episode 352. And then Paul Young, the author of The Shack, that was episode 347. And quickly, I will read the descriptions there just to catch you up for those of you that don't want to listen to those episodes. But for The Shack, uh, Paul Young, uh, William Paul Young had a fundamental evangelical upbringing that included many false beliefs about God. That led to many questions the church isn't typically good at entertaining or even allowing, but he couldn't stop asking. After coming clean about a marital affair to his wife, a new process of learning began to which false notions of God were discarded, and he wrote the shack to share his new revelation of God with his friends and family. Hear about Young's love for God, as well as his rejection of many doctrines that most evangelical churches would deem essential. And I think there's a lot of grammatical errors there. And 352, uh, we've got uh, God didn't need Jesus to die, and I can't find the rest of the title, so I'll just read the description. He may look and sound like a Baptist preacher, but Pastor Queen isn't convinced in Jesus's divinity, doesn't believe Jesus had to die in order for man to be saved, thinks there's other ways of finding God outside of Jesus, and yet is a Baptist minister. All right, so my, I, I'll, I'll 
give our listeners kind of a snapshot for for me just just so because this episode I want to hear from Jack, so I'll give you a snapshot. The Paul Young episode for me, I felt like I was as cheesy as it sounds being ministered to because mm-hmm. this guy, I at the very least. He is talking about his experience with God, his personal relationship with God. And I'm telling you, if this guy's right, then, oh, it's like cool water pouring over my head on a sunny afternoon in Charleston. I mean, it's just like, gosh, man. And and, and here's the thing is, it seems like I've always been taught that God is so good, we can't even wrap our minds around it. And it's like hearing stuff from him and how he talks about God— that that's that's what that looks like to me like god just being so good we can't even imagine it you know so his his thing is i i think i think it's safe to say he believes that god figures out a way for everybody to go to heaven i don't want to speak for him maybe there's some exceptions but you know if you've read the shack and um just heard all the little things that he throws in there he's definitely not fitting the norm of evangelicalism. And then the Pastor Queen guy, um, I want to say Toby hooked us up with this interview, and it was really one of those deals, and this has happened a few times on Bad Christian, to where you start the interview thinking that you're talking to a certain type of person with a certain type of beliefs, and then by the end of the interview, you're like, oh my gosh. And I found myself... I think because I went into it thinking that he was... Uh, kind of in the same realm of thought that 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 most Christians, even forward-thinking Christians, and I hate using that, it sounds arrogant, I don't mean it that yeah. way, but I thought that he was kind of in that group, but then as, as we moved along the conversation, I'm like, oh, wait a second, maybe he's not even a Christian. And that's not a diss to him as much as it's just, uh, uh, I mean, he doesn't believe, he thinks that maybe Jesus wasn't God, uh, Jesus maybe didn't have to die, which him and Paul Young would agree with the uh, penal substitution thing. But anyway, so that's kind of a snapshot. I I lost a little bit of interest going uh, through the episode with uh, with Pastor Queen because it just got to a point where it was just like, oh, okay, we're not really even talking as Christians anymore. And that would have been interesting heading into the discussion, like if it's, if this was a non-Christian and a Christian, but I went into it thinking that we were you know, all people that, uh, kind of believed in Jesus, and now we're not. So I don't know where to go with this. Yeah, but I, uh, I, you know, I'll just get, give us a snapshot in your opinion with these interviews. Um, yeah, and I give thought, it a grade. Uh, give it a Jack letter grade, A plus, I, B minus. Well, so okay. So in terms of, um, well, just in terms of um, all well, things considered, is, how smart they are, how good they were. How how uh, how articulate, how sensible, yeah. logic, all that. I mean, I I think that the Paul Young podcast, I, I thought that was an A, just just in the sense of, and that's not to say I agree with anything, uh, I mean everything, or even most of what he had to say. Um, that that's sort of a side issue in terms of just something. I I thought that the way you put it, you know, was was just right. You know, like like Paul Young. And I'd never heard him before. Yeah. Um, I haven't read The Shack, right? Um, and I, we're not talking about The Shack today, so that's fine. Um, but, you know, listen to the podcast. I'd never heard him before. And he has, like, do you remember that um, that Super Bowl ad from years ago with Paul Harvey, the God Made a Farmer? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yep. the, yeah, there's a truck commercial. And he was like, you know, you know, on the eighth day, God Made a Farmer. So yeah. I, I remember in my house when that commercial came on, just because of his voice and the way with and the way he spoke, 
Yeah. Everyone just shut up and like looked at the TV at the right. same time. Right. And I talked to some people afterwards and they like the same thing happened in their house, right? Like everyone stopped what they were doing and just <laughs> watched the TV because that's just what hit that voice and the way he sp- he speaks does. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt with with Paul Young, right? Like he has a a voice and a way of speaking that draws you in, right? Like you guys were <laughs> you guys were very quiet right. that episode. And we've gotten right? a lot of listeners saying like, that. That was a particularly that. silent episode right. in the sense of when he spoke, you know, what I what you could hear was you guys listening. Yeah. And and so in that sense, yeah, like yeah, he's he is um he definitely has the I I, I don't know enough about like is he a minister? Um, um professionally, he talked about working three different jobs, but I I can't remember if he ever yeah, said he was in ministry. Either. I don't Anyway, like that basically to me, like that's his vocation. Right. Um, he, he knows how to minister to people. Um, and, and I think that's because, you know, having heard a story, he has received a lot of ministry yeah. from God and from others. And so from that perspective, like that was just a great podcast, right? Like even if I don't agree with almost anything he has to say, um, which, which I do, um, I agree with a lot of what he said. Um, you know, he just has a way of speaking that draws you in. Yeah. Right. So and a, is, is a, very, plus, a plus. Um, let's just give it an A. Let's not get crazy. Here. Uh, the, hey, and, and, re- and real quick too, do you, yeah. does, does it resonate with you? What, what I'm trying to articulate as far as when you hear someone that's smart and you hear someone that actually is giving their best stab at theology and how life works and when the purpose of creation, that sense of, man, what if it is this good like do you, does that make sense to you like as far as as far as what i'm communicating not necessarily you agreeing but just just that it's like man if this is how everything works this is unbelievable i you know i i think you know for me and, and maybe this isn't what you're what you're asking of you for me um i have no idea whether paul young is smart yeah. but i think he's he's yeah. wise yeah um, smartness is, is overrated. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of, some of the stupidest people alive are very, very smart. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, that's one thing I, I thought with, with the other podcast we're talking about, um, the, the pastor, uh, he, he sounds like a smart guy, but one thing I was struck by was he just doesn't, and it's not a personal statement, but he doesn't seem especially reflective. He didn't seem just especially thoughtful. Right. Um, and again, that's, that's not a personal thing. That's just kind of an observation that I had. Whereas Paul Young, like I've got no idea how smart he is. Right. Right. Um, but he is a very reflective, thoughtful. Um, uh, and I would say he, he definitely has, has a lot of, he has the wisdom of a very hard in some ways life. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have no idea if that answered what you were no, trying no, no, to totally, totally. Probably didn't. Well, why, why, would you or how 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 did you make that assessment as far as Pastor Queen is concerned of him, you know, not being extremely thoughtful? Well, because it, it was it was really sort of the ways that he would talk about um and and so I was telling you before we jumped on, I, I just got a, you know, a new computer here at the office and trench roll my stuff over. But one, I, I lost, I think my notes from that interview. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember how, what, you know, kind of what I'd written down, but you know, there were, there were a couple things, the way he would talk about some things like the idea of whether Jesus was both human and God and, and some of just like very fundamental doctrines. I was just sort of struck because it just seemed like, 
the way he talked about them are, were ways that people talk about them who haven't thought about them yeah. especially hard. So I think about them and, and sort of this objection comes up like, well, well, what about this? And it just seemed like the what about this was enough for him to walk away from them. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, none of the objections he had were new. And none of the none of the things he brought up were especially, um, to my mind, difficult. Yeah. And so that's sort of what I mean in in terms of the. Um, it sort of seemed like the. Um, so so I, I know we're going to talk about this later, so I don't want to get into this now. But yeah. the ways they talked about penal substitution, because I know it's one of the things we want to talk about. The ways that they talked about penal substitution were very different. Right. Uh, right. So, so you know, the the his name is Pastor Queen. Yep. Um, I think uh, you know some of the you know, objections she brought up were, oh, it's barbaric. Oh, you know, sort of like like basic objections that people outside of Christianity have. Yeah. Um. Whereas whereas, you know, Paul Young's um, I'm just going to call him Paul. Yeah. Uh, whereas Paul's objections were much more you know sort of thoughtful and um and uh even much more theological in ways that I hadn't thought of before. Gotcha. Um, and so it just, you know, that, that's kind of what I mean is, um, you know, you, you, you can tell that I think that, you know, Paul really wrestled with a lot of these things Yeah. and it's just not clear to me that pastor queen did in the same way. I'm sure he wrestled with them, but it was more, I, I almost felt in some ways that when he came to an objection, it was a relief because it was, um, what he needed to walk away from it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can um, see that. And so, and so he didn't look at it particularly hard because, because again, the objections he brought up were not none of them were new, right. and none of them were especially difficult right. to answer if, if he had wanted to. Yeah. I just don't think he wanted to. Was kind of my read. Yeah. All right. And and to to our listeners, I also want to say that hold hold what I especially me. Uh, I'm I'm asking Jack to just speak out his thoughts, but part of my job is going to be articulating Pastor Queen and Paul Young. So please hold what I'm saying loosely and know that I'm probably not totally accurate with my um, analysis of what they're trying to say. But we'll start with the whole penal substitution. I think that both of them would agree that you know and and. And basically, what that means, and Jack, you know, help me out if if I if I need it here. But there needed to be a sacrifice for sin in order for yeah. us to be one with the Father, and the only appropriate yeah. or sufficient sacrifice was Jesus Himself, being man and God. That was the only sacrifice that would cut it, and it had to happen. That's the only way that we could go to heaven. Is that pretty much correct? Well, yeah, I would say the the, the one thing that that needs to be added is that, in it, and it's God himself who needs to be appeased. Yeah. Like the, the crux of penal substitution is that God is the one who needs that sacrifice. Gotcha. Um, and, and, you know, I would, I would say that from my, my read on it was that, um, uh, Pat, what, 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 what was pastor queen's first name? Um, um, I'll have to look. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Just, um, just call him queenie. <laughs> que- just kidding. So what I would say is that you know the, the pastor and Paul were coming at it from from different from different areas. Yeah. Um, my take, from what I remember, is that um, you know the the you know Pastor Queen's basic objection was it was it was barbaric, 
Um, and, uh, uh, and it didn't have to happen at all, right? Like God, it's not true one, because it's barbaric and, and two, because, uh, God didn't need to, didn't need the, the cross period in order to forgive us. Right. Um, and, and there's going to be some overlap here, but you know, for, 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 Pat, for, uh, Paul, you know, Paul Young's objection was much more, had much more to do with the heart of God in the sense of, um, and one thing he said that I thought was really interesting, this is what he said that I had never thought of before, was that the problem with penal substitution, he said, is that it, um, it splits the Trinity in the sense that it means that the Father needs something that the Son doesn't, oh, right? Wow. So in other words, the Father needs to be appeased. But yeah. he's the only member of the Trinity that needs to be appeased. And that's a very interesting thought. Right. Um, it's so Chuck, it's, by it's, the so, way. So his, just, just throwing that out there. Chuck. Chuck Queen. Oh, Chuck. Yep. Chuck. Okay. So, so, um, so, you know, Paul's objection was, was you know, it, it was more about, you know, the heart and character um, of God. And, and, and I felt Chuck's was more, um, oh, gosh, I don't know, uh, more about the logistics of it, right? Like, it's, it's, in the same way, it touching on the character of God, but you know, barbaric, and it didn't need to happen anyway, right? Like it was more had to do with the fact that well, the cross didn't even need to happen, much less um, a sacrifice to God need to happen. So there's some overlap there, but I, I thought it was interesting that, to my mind, they were both kind of coming at it from slightly different angles. Yeah. Um. And, and again, Paul's being much more uh, ministerial in in uh, quality. I thought. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. All right. So with the penal substitution, they were kind of on the same. Some, somewhat of the same page, but I think where, where they really started going in different directions and what leads me to, I guess, my first official question with you is that I think Paul Young believes that Jesus is the Son of God and is right. God. Uh, that seems pretty clear, whereas Chuck Queen seems to not hold that as an essential. And I don't recall whether he dismisses it altogether for sure, but I think he does. And so my question to you, Jack, is at what point... And, and this can be opinionated. Uh, what, mm-hmm. At what point do we go from debating Christian doctrine to debating Christianity itself? Because I went into the conversation with Chuck Queen thinking we were going to be Christians debating Christian doctrine. Um, right. And it seemed like it turned into, wait a second, the very premise of our Christianity is being debated here. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I, and I, I kind of had the same experience listening to it. Uh, it because, you know, er, earlier on he makes some sort of comments that are, to my mind, not acceptable within traditional Christianity, yeah. but also not, not new in the sense of um, like, Oh, Jesus is my way. Like, like they're all religions are ways of getting to God. Um, Jesus is just my way. Like that, that's not Christianity, but that is, that's not like, that's not totally atypical. Right? Like you hear that a lot. Right. Um, so that was like, that was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. You're, you're, you're there. But then, yeah, towards the end of the podcast, he, he definitely said some, some stuff that was basically like Jesus isn't God. Um, and, uh, and, and gosh, I wish I had my notes. Um, so I could say exactly how I said it, it really bugs me, but I don't. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, um, and I'll, I'll go back and listen so I, so I can, you know, add a mea culpa if, um, uh, send you a mea culpa to, I don't know, I guess tweet yeah. if he didn't say this, but yeah, he, he sort of ends with, um, you know, Jesus not being God and, you know, just being, you know, a guy who I, I can't remember how he put it, but you know, was, was sort of like, you know, showed us what God was like, but he wasn't God. And, um, that was, yeah, that was, was like, wait, I don't, I guess I got, I started the episodes like, so you say your question, I just don't get why you want to be right. one. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not entirely sure why you want to be. Yeah, yeah, totally. So for you personally, where are you at with the importance of penal substitution and or the divinity of Jesus? So those two, oh, how how important um, is that to you and your faith, and then maybe with Christianity in general? So so you know when you talk about so so I'm you know. Like, 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 let me say, like one thing about, about the shack and I haven't read the shack, but one thing, one reason I've never been able to get worked up about the shack is because yeah. it's fiction and my deal with fiction is that you can, you can do whatever you want in fiction. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, like I've got, you know, I, I, it just doesn't bother me. Right. Like fiction. One of the things about fiction is, is, um, it gives you, it gives you, um, ways of talking about reality that don't have to be reality itself. Right. And so it gives you, you know, fiction is a way for the authors to tell you something true about the world um, in a way that sort of breaks the rules. Right. And so, 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 so in the sense of like, you know, he, you know, I was like, he had God the Father be a black woman. It's like, oh, I, I can't get worked up about that. Right. I just, I just can't. I mean, um, and so, because again, like that to me, that's the point of fiction. Right. The point of fiction is to tell stories about the way the world is in ways that um, that help us understand it better, and in ways that are surprising and and maybe shocking. So so anyway, so so in the sense of um, when we talk about Christianity, you know, how what are the okay ways of talking about it? It's like so as far as Paul Young goes, like man, when you're writing fiction, you go you do whatever you want. Um, and that doesn't matter to me now in terms of like the conversations you have, like, I, th- I think one way you, you and I were talking the other day and I think one way you put it is like, so one point, are you still talking about Christianity? Like it's what, what point do you stop debating doctrine and, um, start like debating what Christianity is? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's sort of like, so, so if you and I sit down to a chessboard, right. And all the pieces are there, um, there are a lot of there are a lot of different things we can do with those pieces within the rules, but at some point, if you start um, if you start using those pieces right, like like if you move a knight in a way that a knight isn't allowed to move within the rules, Wait, right? Like you, if you, you just, start if you, you start went, breaking the rules you just of chess, went from, yeah, you went from checkers to chest here. So we're we talking. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. If you, it's at some point, right? If you sit down to a chessboard, right? At some point, if you start breaking the rules, you're not playing chess any longer. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. In order to be in order to be playing chess, there are rules that you have to be within. Yeah. That's that's how games work. And and so in, in, in a similar way, right, like there's a lot of room to debate all sorts of things within Christianity. But at some point, if you start if you start saying, well, this isn't true and this isn't true and this isn't true, at some point you're not talking about Christianity any longer. And I think for me, um, the the uh the death of Jesus, the resurrection, and the divinity of Jesus are three—not necessarily the three, but they are definitely three. That as soon as you start saying, "Oh, this doesn't matter," "Oh, this isn't true," um, you're not talking about Christianity any longer. You're talking about something else, right? And so Chuck, Chuck definitely stopped playing chess. Did Paul Young stop playing chess? No, okay. I don't think he did. Gotcha. Um, no, I don't think he did. Uh, be, be, because there, you know, with penal substitution, there are different. There are different theories of subs, uh, uh, of atonement, right? And there are different theories of atonement that that have, you know, all been sort of you know tumbling around and moving around and, and gaining traction and losing traction and um, throughout the history of the church. That's not new, right? Uh, and that's not bad. 
there are different ways of understanding the atonement, and there are valuable there there are valuable things in all of these different ways, um, be, because the atonement is a little bit of a mystery in terms of uh, did it have to happen? Why did it have to happen? Did it have to happen that way? And what what happened? Right. Like what did it do? Um, the, I don't think that anyone can say definitively we know exactly what the atonement did. X Y Z two plus two is four. Yeah. And that's why you have this dis- this discussion. This lasted two thousand years. Now, again, that discussion has boundaries, right? Um, that that discussion has boundaries, right? Yeah. Like you you can't say you know you can't start saying oh well actually um, you know it it didn't have to happen at all and actually you know Satan jumped in and he did some cool stuff like he, at some point you're like wait wait we're not talking about the same thing anymore yeah um, yeah. yeah but but I, I would and and so that that's why I would say that. Um, and, and maybe if the, if the discussion kept going with Paul Young, he might've gone there. Right. But for me, Chuck and Paul had very different, um, ways of talking about it. Yeah. So every, everyone getting into heaven are like, if, are you, are you comfortable with that notion within the church? Like if you're, if you're in small group with folks and you're kind of wanting to be in small group with folks that you got some common ground with like it's, yeah. it's it's not just for kicks. You don't want to waste your time. You want to be with people that are kind of on the same track as you, so you can learn from them and that sort of thing. If if someone says, "Yeah, I totally believe that God figures it all out and everybody goes to heaven," is that someone that you can learn from and grow with and break bread with and you know be a church with? You, I mean, you're talking about universalism in particular for that example. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean there there are so, so the the Orthodox um, philosopher theologian David Bentley Hart is um, an avowed universalist, yeah. right? And, and he's um, is he's someone that I would I would certainly consider you know within well within the the stream of um, Christianity. I, th- I think I do think universalism is one that. Um, I think it is. It can be a very slippery slope. Yeah, but I I, I do think that universalism is. Hmm, I don't want to say this. Um, I I do think that there are enough. You know, teachers in the history of the church, who affirmed the you know sort of the most important um, doctrines of Christianity that were also universalists to. For for that to be like that's not something I would teach. Yeah. Right. But um, at the same time, that is not something that I would say. No, that is outside the bounds. You cannot be a Christian and be a universalist. I think right. you can be a Christian and be a universalist. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. All right. Well, what do you think about this thought experiment? So we're back to penal substitution, and the argument goes along the lines of something like this: God is God. He can forgive sins any way he wants. He doesn't need to do it a certain way, like sending his son. So for me, the last, I don't know, 10 years of my life, I I would have explained salvation to someone as God wants to be with us forever, but it cannot happen without the perfect sacrifice. The only perfect sacrifice is God representing humanity. And the only way he can do that is for him to become a human. And so God had to come here, be a perfect sacrifice, which meant that he could not sin. And then when he died, that was the only way to make it work. So for argument's sake, you could say if Jesus slipped up and had an affair with a woman outside of marriage, then we're all screwed. There's no way we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. So 
that's that's kind of been my angle for a very long time that that's the only way that it could be done. What do you think about someone that says, "No, nah, well, you can't put God in a box." And and are you is that is that kind of where you would tend towards as well? Well, I mean so, so again, I mean, part, part of the, so just, just dealing with the scenario you've laid out, I mean, again, there, there are different ways of understanding the atonement. Right. And I think that there are different, perfectly good ways of understanding the atonement. Um, and, and so, so for, for example, you know, one of the things that, that Paul and Chuck brought up, um, that is, that is probably true, but we also aren't totally sure as they would say, oh, well, penal substitution is a very recent theological invention. Um, maybe it's hard to know because you can find strands of it going way, 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 way back. Right. Um, one of the things that makes it complicated is one theory of atonement that was popular in the early church was the ransom theory. And so, so the ransom theory of atonement was, was, um, especially, um, sort of, uh, taught by the, uh, early church teacher origin, uh, origin also, uh, most likely universalist for what it's worth. Um, origin uh, well, so, so so the ransom theory of atonement is basically that we were all uh, slaves, we were all held in thrall to the kingdom of Satan because of our sin, and that Jesus paid a ransom to Satan to free us, uh. and that that's what the atonement was. And so that was a that was a very popular um, way of understanding the atonement in the early church. Um, and so so and so obviously as you can see there there are some parallels there to penal substitution, the idea that someone needed to be satisfied in order for us to be free. Yeah. Um, and so that's why there's some debate about whether you can find writings from the early church that seem to, um, align very, very closely with penal substitution. But again, because there are such similar features between it and the ransom theory, it it can be hard to say. So the idea that penal substitution is super new, um, maybe, maybe it's just, it's hard to know. It Um, it is definitely good. If you had to wager, would you say that's what Paul was teaching throughout his letters, penal substitution? I don't know that I, I don't know that I feel confident to say either way. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I, I, I could yeah. say either way confidently. Yeah. Um, because I also don't think that that is, you know, cause again, one of the, the, the things about the different ways of understanding the atonement is they're all attempts to unpack what we have from Paul. Right. And so I think it's sort of like, like the, the that question is a little bit of the reverse, right? Like all of these things come out of scripture. So rather than saying, well, which box was, was Paul in, um, all of those boxes are attempts to understand Paul and the other New Testament writers. Right. So, so it's a little it's a little difficult to say. Well, which one does he fit in? Well, I don't think he fits in any of them. I mean, the reason we have so many of them is because we're trying to understand what he and the others wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so, I mean, I think that you know the the um the the you know, the story of of atonement in the New Testament is right. Like like we needed Jesus. We needed God to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. And N.T. Wright sort of is like when I was brought up um, and I don't think this was ever explicit, but I think this was sort of the way that all of the teaching that I heard in church and like the kids Bibles was phrased was that like Jesus was plan B. Right. Like uh, the Judaism and the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament, that was plan A. And oh, well, that didn't work out. So now we need a plan B and plan B is Jesus. And that's kind of what I internalized when I was when I was younger. And then, you know, N.T. Wright in his book, The Challenge for Jesus or the challenge of Jesus, rather. Um, uh, he, he talks about the fact that no, 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 no. Like, like salvation history throughout the entire Bible is this once for all plan of God. Yeah. 
right? Like, like there was no changing plan. And so, and so you see as a sort of this narrative arc of, um, God, you know, the, the Bible is basically the story of God, um, saving his people. Yeah. And, um, and, and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, right. Are the, are the, the climax of that story. Yeah. And so they are central to it. Um, and then the, the idea is, so, well, so what happened to me, that is a less important question. Um, we needed to be saved from our sin, right? Whether Jesus's death paid a sacrifice, paid a ransom to Satan, whether Jesus's death satisfied an angry father, whether Jesus's death simply freed us from the power of sin, right? Like, like whatever it, whatever it did is a less important question to me than the fact that we needed that to happen for whatever reason we needed that to happen. Jesus was the only one who could do it. And that was the way God chose to do it. It's, yeah, and that and that was going to be my next question: is did you know if it didn't have to happen, how yeah, how, how well, meaningful is it? And you're you're basically saying it did need to happen. Well, that's a baffling that's a baffling thing to say yeah. to me that it didn't have to happen. I don't even know what that means. And 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 kind of and what what I mean by that is so so like right now I don't know when this will air, but right now the the um, Winter Olympics are on. Yeah. And have you been watching any of the no, Olympics? I don't like Winter Olympics. I love okay, summer. Okay, fair enough. Um, so one of the things that happens when oh, it's, it's the same thing happens when you watch the Summer Olympics, right? When you yeah. watch any you know Olympics, um, and I think it has to do with the commentary, but Olympics or sporting events in general, but Olympics are a great example because they happen rarely. Um, is uh, well, not rarely, but you know what I mean. Uh, they come around every you know uh, two years in intervals, and so what happens because you don't get to see these events very often is you know so like figure skating right like the first figure skater goes out and like by the end you know i'm thinking like that was beautiful i am moved like i'm maybe crying on my couch i don't want to talk about it um but then by the third skater you're like oh she didn't land that very well you know she's she's trash that was terrible wow he he's stumbled a little bit on the right like you start getting super critical like you know what you're talking about you don't know what you're talking about Right, right Right. Like, like, but suddenly after watching three ice skating performances, we become experts and we're <laughs> able to judge what they should have been doing. Um, and that's, that's just kind of what we do. And so like everyone's an expert after five minutes of watching, but they have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Um, and, and so, and I think the same thing happens when we, when you see a movie or you watch a show or you look at a painting or you play a video game or you read a book and, and, and you say, oh, that's bad or that's good or, or, you know, the author didn't need to do that. Sometimes that's true, but guess what? Sometimes you don't know what you're talking about, yeah. right? Cause you're not them. Sometimes you just don't understand what you're doing. Like, have you ever, um, have you ever read a book or, uh, watched a movie and then years later gone back and reread it and gotten it? Right. Like, yeah. like, like you yeah. go back and like, I, after, uh, so, so like, like Hemingway was like that for me. Like I hated Hemingway when I was in high school. I thought it was awful. Yeah. I hated. And then I went back and I read like all of his short stories and, and several of his novels a few years ago, like all like within a three month stretch. And it's like, I got it. And it was just like, this is amazing. Right. Um, the, the, the movie and book silence that, that, uh, the movie just came out, uh, last year and the book silence, like, I don't, I didn't get the book until my second read through. Right. And then after a few weeks of thinking about it, I realized that I didn't even get it then. Um, and there's like, there were these new things that I had come to mind and, and new things I, I understood the author was doing. Um, like we've all had that experience, right? Where, where we think, Oh, this is no good. And then you go back and you watch it again and you realize I just didn't understand what the author was doing. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's, and that's kind of the deal The you know, so with, with the passion, 
um, the the movie. Uh, when when the passion came out, oh, did it need to be so bloody? Yeah, right. Or uh, do the do the Lord of the Rings books really need all that poetry in them? <laughs> um, well, and the question is, what is the creator trying to do? What is the author trying to do? Right. What is the artist trying to do? Sometimes, many times, they know better than you do. Yeah. What that work needs. So when they do something that we don't understand, our response should not merely be dismissive. Yeah. Right. When an author or an artist does something that we don't understand, um, our response should be to sit up, be quiet, and pay attention. Gotcha. And to take the time to try and understand. Because chances are that they chose to do that for reasons that we don't understand. And so when that artist is God, we should especially pay attention. Because God never wastes. Right? God doesn't waste. Damn. So when he chooses to do anything. Yeah. We should immediately understand that is for a reason. And it matters assume, how. And assume we can't wrap our minds around it. Um, I would say I would say that not necessarily that, but I would certainly say that we should we should admit that we are probably not going to fully understand it our first time out. Right. Um, and 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 so when God chooses to do something, it matters how, it matters why, it matters what, when, because He doesn't because. He, yeah, God doesn't need to do anything because because God doesn't need anything. So when he chooses to act in a certain way, or when, as, as Paul Young put it, he chose to submit to our violence, right? When when God chooses to do something, um, we need to pay attention. We it, like to me, it is, you know, like like saying the you know God didn't need to. The cross didn't need to have to happen like that. That sounds wise in the sense of, oh, you know, I don't there's a mystery to it. And I'm just, you know, you know, I don't have it all figured out. But actually, that's supremely arrogant right? to look at something that God chose to do and say he didn't need to do that. Um, that, that is to, to me again, like it's baffling in how obnoxious it is. Yeah. Um, and, and so when. You know, I'm inclined to say that God didn't need to do it that way. Yeah, of course, you know, he didn't need to do it any certain way, but he chose to do it a certain way. And so when God chooses to do things a certain way, and especially when it comes to the at the 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 ultimate saving act, right? When when that is the thing we're talking about, um, God doesn't need to do that any particular way, but when he chooses to do it a certain way, um, I am inclined to look at that and say, um, maybe he didn't need to do it that way for him, but he knew that we needed him to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think we're uh, kind of along the same lines? I, I personally get frustrated when people try to make the correlation of, well, you have a son. How how difficult would that be for you to send your son to die? You wouldn't do that, but God was willing to. I don't like yeah. that jump just because I feel like there's way more to the salvation story than we can wrap our minds around. And yeah. sure, that sounds great that God loves us that much, but honestly, I think I'm at a point where I don't think that sounds great. That sucks that he did that to Jesus. Right. Like, he couldn't... He well, could... I think, you know, like, so, so there's definitely a, a part of, in terms of, like, like when you become a father, right? Like, it, you know, Paul, Paul Young, totally right, and said, you know, it really messes up your theology. It totally does. Um, it, like, like it's, it's like, if, if you don't have kids, I don't think that you can really... Um, 
it's like if you don't have children, if you're not a father or a mother, uh, there is something about the doctrine of sin that I think you don't that is very difficult for you to understand. Yeah. Right. And and that's not like a it's like oh you like a pat on the head to people who don't have kids. Not not at all. Um, that's just a in the same way. It's like if if you haven't gone through uh, a traumatic illness or had a family member go through a traumatic illness, right? There's something about that situation that you can't understand. In in the same way, um, it does mess with your theology, but. Yeah. Well, and um, there is definitely something to the idea that um, the experience of being a father helps us understand God's heart for us better, right? Like, like having kids, like has having kids helped you understand God's heart for you better? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely has. His love, his love for me, but right. not, but not the exchange of Jesus well, for us. For us. Sure. Well, and so and so, there, like it only goes so far, right? Like that is not a complete theology in itself. It helps you understand certain things better, but at the same time, um, that's not a perfect knowledge right because right. i'm not a perfect father like he is and so what's what what is unwise is to extrapolate from that that um my experience of being a father is what god's experience is yeah right and and that's where to me both chuck and paul do something that i i do not like to do and i think that it is really prevalent in our culture the way we we think and that is to base our theology on experience Right is to take my experience and to make that authoritative. Right. You you say you don't like that. No, I think it's I think it's terrible. Should it play a role? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it should play a role. But um, that can't be your foundation for your theology because it's unreliable. Because you're a fallen person and but you don't understand someone, things perfectly. It, it in someone's interpretation of of the bible that it fall into the same category of experience um like that's it, not so so that so in other words you can't re you can't experience anything without filtering it through your lens right right so but but what i'm talking about is slightly different in the sense of at least with the bible you can look at and say this is an authoritative document right and i will do my best to understand it but this is the thing from which my theology, my belief derives its authority. Yeah. That is a very different thing than looking at yourself and saying what I've experienced in my life is where I derive my theology. Those are two very, very different things because in that scenario, you make yourself the authority. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, I had this experience with my son and you know what? I bet, I bet God is just like that because I felt that so strongly. Right. Maybe, but maybe not. And, um, and and so like this idea that because because that sort of thing comes down to the I just can't imagine a God who would do X gotcha. right yep. or um, my experience as a father has taught me this and you know I really think God is the same way well maybe but that's not a good place to that that's not a sufficient authority to base theology on because you know when we talk about I, I should say that in itself is not sufficient right yeah. like like experience paired with scripture experience paired with the teachings of the church, right? Those things, right, are are important, right? Yeah. It's important to pay attention to your experience in your life. But what I don't like is this trend of, um, and you've seen a lot of things that are difficult, right? Like, um, gosh, this this thorny theological issue. But you know what? I've I've experienced so many people who weren't like that. Well, and maybe that maybe that gives you a certain insight. But honestly, maybe that's a lie. Yeah. And maybe that's something that you need to overcome and not give into because it's easy in the path of least resistance. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll end this right here as far uh, because you've definitely made clear that the death and resurrection of Jesus is not 
expendable when it comes to the Christian faith. No, as far as not. your concern, how how validated is that to Jack Hoy? You mean like how convinced I am? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean I, the 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 uh, the the incarnation, right? Like the idea that Jesus is both God and man. Right. Um, the idea that he lived an obedient life, sub- perfectly submissive to the Father. The idea that he died, uh, was buried, rose again. One hundred percent. Yeah. So how? So, so so how do you? Okay. So you're com- you're one hundred percent completely convinced. How would you articulate that to? Uh, a doubter or an unbeliever, atheist, whatever you want to call it, um, would would you say? Is that how you would say I'm 100 percent convinced, or would would you say, look, I, I I don't expect you to agree with me, and I understand that you're not looking through the same lenses, but I know for sure this happened. How would you how would you word it? Um, I, it depends on on the circumstance. You're, you're like like um, I you know, I certainly don't expect people who aren't convinced to be 100 percent right. Um, so it would just sort of depend on the, on the deal. I mean, so, so like, those are all very, very big, those are all easily conversation pieces each in themselves. And so I don't think I can give a really good summary of, of each of them. Um, but, um, I, I mean, you know, like the resurrection is probably to me the easiest one to actually, you know, you could actually say that there is evidence right. for it. And, and there are people who've written about this extensively, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would just think it would depend on the conversation, but I would have no problem walking people through like, listen, I am totally convinced. And if you like, I can, I can try to convince yeah. you too. You know what I think would be cool for a future episode is, and, and maybe it's easier said than done because it's just a, such a, a long and for me difficult read, but like me, you and I talking about the book by Bauckham, I think Jesus and the eyewitnesses. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, this, that's probably Did the only, yes, that's probably the only book I've ever read from front to, to back in which I probably understood less than half, but I still read it. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Like that is, that is a, that is not an easy book, but that yeah. is a revolutionary book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, this has been awesome, and I do want to tell our listeners that we are going to be starting a little segment, not making promises as far as frequency, but we're going to have an Ask Jack episode come out semi-regularly, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a future episode, but thanks for your time.